Hello once again to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk all things transportation. I am the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. I am the pedestrian advocate, Joseph Peters. A pleasure to be here as always. Oh, it sounds like it. Yeah. There's a lot of energy there in your voice. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to really emote for the podcast listeners out there enjoying their drive home. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Well, you know, it doesn't seem, sound like it, but, you know, it's been, it's been uh, pretty tough. Over the last couple of days, because we've had uh, continuing storm coverage. Correct. Um, I was I was involved in super snow team coverage. In fact, on Tuesday, I was here for 15 and or so, yeah, 15 hours. Yep. Straight. Yes. If you were a trucker, they would have thrown you off the road. Yes, they certainly would. I, I then had to stay in a hotel right across the street and come back uh, for the next morning shift. Uh, my brain was a bit of a wet noodle at that point. Mm-hmm. It was a little tough. Um it, it's been a, a, a few long days in the traffic control center. If, if people around the country haven't heard, we've had quite the snowstorm here in October in Denver. Yep, and baby, it's cold outside now. Negative three this mor- overnight this morning. We usually don't get this kind of snow and cold in October. Usually it's February, but, you know. We, Climate we're ha- change. Yeah. <laughs> but I still had time to book a guest for the show, and it's a great one. Uh, we'll get to it in just a second. You know, but, but by the way, I, w- I was thinking about this. I know our directors of content for scripts listen to the show, so I'm throwing out this suggestion for them. Maybe we can have a rotation between some of the other traffic anchors around the company so they can maybe spend a few weeks here and I can spend a few weeks there. Mm. Like I could trade with Sarah down in Tampa. I think it's Chelsea down in Phoenix. I could go down there for maybe a couple of weeks. And then they could come here for a couple of weeks, and then we could all just maybe trade between all the different. Wait, we have like what forty nine or fifty markets. Mm-hmm. We have West Palm Beach and Miami and New York and uh, Baltimore, Detroit. Yeah. We have stations all over the country. Yeah. While we're making suggestions, there's a story I want to cover in Switzerland for like four weeks coming up in January. I can't really tell you what the story is, but if the company <laughs> would be willing to cover it, that would be fantastic. I'm not sure they would be all into that one. I also think that they should listen to this suggestion of a great idea. So because April Fool's Day is coming up, we got six months to go. So this is my greatest April Fool's Day idea in the history of ideas. What we should do is, with stations that are fairly near each other, like us and maybe Kansas City, where we take the morning show, the main people of the morning show, the traffic weather and two anchors, and we switch. So in other words, let's say Kansas City. Let's say the Kansas City folks, those four folks, they come here. We, me and Lisa and Molly and Brian, we go there, but we don't tell anybody. We just, we do it, we, we do our regular show that I don't know what day of the week uh, it falls on this coming year, but let's say, let's just say it's a Wednesday. So on Tuesday after the show, we get on an airplane, we fly to Kansas City, and the Kansas City people do the same thing to Denver. And then we do the show as if we are those people, as if nothing else has changed. And then right after the show, the morning show, we because we just did the show in Kansas City, we fly back to Denver, and, and they, from Kansas City, fly back to back to there, uh, and we, we don't say anything about it. I love this. In, in other words, it's, it's basically doing an anchor flip-flop between cities, but you don't reference that you are from that other city. You just pretend that we have been doing this like this for years and years. This is the regular anchor team that has been on that station for years and years. I think it's more important for you to just take on their names and dress up like them and not (laughs) tell anybody that you're different people. So in your case, it sounds as though, I don't know. Let's take a look. 
Carolyn Long, maybe. So Molly would be Carolyn Long, perhaps. Oh, is this Kansas City? Yeah. Oh, here okay. we go. Here's the morning anchor. So Brian can be Joe Chiodo. Okay. Uh, Gina Bullard can All be right. Molly. And then you can be Bill Hurlbrink. Okay, perfect. Yeah, and Bill can come here and be Jason Luber. And then Lisa can go be Gary Amble. All right. That'd be perfect. Yeah. Or we could do it with Phoenix. Or maybe how about Phoenix and Vegas? They could switch. Um, maybe West Palm Beach and Tampa could switch. There's a wonderful joke to be made about Vegas there that I'm not going to make on the air. Oh, okay. Sorry. But I think it would be, it. look, it would go viral. It's very funny, especially if you don't make reference to it and just let the internet figure it out. Uh, you could also just do a show wasted and see if the internet figures it out. And makes it no, viral. I don't want to do that. I, I like my job too much. <laughs> uh, so I did uh, have time to book a guest for the show, even with all the storm coverage. At the beginning of this year, back in about March or so, I detailed very clearly, right on this very show, um, m the mistake I thought it was for the governor of Colorado, Jared Polis, to nominate Shoshana Liu to be the executive director for the Colorado Department of Transportation. The voices from inside CDOT are becoming louder and louder, and there is frustration from the employees there, as well as frustration from the general public about the state of our transportation system. Well, in the first of a two-part piece, it was just published in the Cher Glendale Cherry Creek Chronicle, and it details the mess that is now CDOT and confirms what I said right here eight months ago, that the nomination of Miss Liu was a political favor. I want to bring on the author of this piece to talk more about it. Chuck Bonnewell is the publisher of the Glendale Cherry Creek Chronicle. He has a law degree from the University of Colorado, has master's in taxation from the University of Denver. Chuck is an author, a longtime talk show host with his wife, Julie Hayden, who used to work here at Denver 7. He, they are uh, every weekday from 1 to 4 on 710 KNUS right here in Denver, and you can listen to their show every weekday. Chuck, thanks for taking the time to join us here on the Driving You Crazy podcast. <laughs> Great to be with you, Jason. All right, Chuck. So let's start with the spark that made you want to write this piece about CDOT and about Miss Lou. I'm not, I'm not going to call you a one-humped beast, but what was the straw that broke the camel's back? Well, just like all good investigative pieces, it, it, it comes from people uh, coming to you, in our case, from inside of CDOT and also people on the outside of CDOT um, who, were, who were just beside themselves about how a great agency um, had, had really uh, been, been torn apart, been torn apart, um, and their incredible dissatisfaction with Ms. Liu, um, a history major at, at, at Harvard, uh, was all of a sudden heading up something that, that uh, involves engineering, uh, construction management, and many other things. And she appointed at age 35, um, just unfit for the job, unfit for the job. Um, and also, they're very upset about the bidding process, which has become a little more than cronyism uh, for big corporations outside of Colorado. I detailed her work experience, and you just touched on it, for the executive director's position as, uh, I, I guess I would call it worse than a legless man being asked to be on the track team. <laughs> she was appointed to positions she didn't seem qualified for, including chief financial officer for the United States DOT, <laughs> the chief operations of the uh, officer for Rhode Island DOT, before coming here as the executive director. I mean, what is a history major doing in a role of financial advisor and executive director of a transportation organization? Well, it's, she's kind of the, the Hunter Biden of, of uh, ones. Her father, Jack Lou, 
um, was a high up on the Obama administration. He was the chief of staff uh, for President Obama and later became secretary uh, treasurer. Um, and, you know, if you, the, the, the prodigy of, of rich, powerful people get the um, advantages and appointed positions uh, far in excess of, of their qualifications. Hunter Biden, you know, had no oil and gas, nothing Ukraine, no problem. His dad becomes a point man and up he goes uh, to the Riku Isma uh, gas one. And so Tishana Lu just rose meteorically up, up the administrative ladder. Um, and as you pointed out, chief financial officer, when she had no financial background, none. I mean, none. And then she went over to, to Rhode Island. Uh, and, and a little over a year, she's now the head of, of CDOT. Um, and it was said to be a, a favor. Um, Michelle Obama called uh, Governor Polis and said, hey, I need a favor from you. I need a job for this woman. Um, and, and voila, um, you have somebody utterly unqualified for a job. Um, at a time, a very difficult time for CDOT. It it also seems that there must have been other political favors called in to have Shoshana appointed to these other positions along the way. I'm just wondering what those people and what does our governor, Polis, hope to get back out of these uh, favors that have been granted to the uh, to uh, Miss Lou. Well, you know, politics is, is, is a case of you slap my back, I'll slap yours. Um, people do favors for people, and it doesn't have to be immediate. It doesn't have to be immediate. It can come down the road. Uh, but for appointing Shoshana Lou, um, certainly on, on the chalkboard, uh, one up uh, for Jared Polis, uh, and he could call on that at some other time for some other favor, or maybe it's a pro good pro. I, I don't know, but, but obviously... Um, the insiders get to do what they sort of want to, and the rest of us just watch. Now, you had mentioned that you had some insiders inside CDOT telling you about some of the problems and the issues that are going on over there. What are they saying about her and about working now over at CDOT? Well, she's 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 embarrassed herself. She's embarrassed herself. There are 11 commissioners of CDOT, um, and she's angered about a third or half of them, but they don't control her job. Um, and it's the younger members of CDOT that are particularly upset. The older ones, as we outlined in the one, are all leaving to go to consulting firms uh, where they make huge amounts of money, um, but they also get their para uh, qualification. But the younger ones are stuck there. They're they're not they're not ready to to jump the ship. And for them particularly, they're watching uh, CDOT become a little more than an admin administration. They don't have enough civil engineers to design projects. Everything is is uh, hired from the outside, composed mainly of former CDOT employees. So it's it's become. I don't know. You remember the judicial problem where, where all of a sudden these employees over at the Supreme Court uh, were were taking their jobs um, and and going out and be con- consulting back to uh, the legal uh, departments at huge salaries. Well, this is just that on steroids. That is just to all of a sudden the insiders after it, hey, wait a minute, how do we, how do we take advantage of this system? Uh, because it is so screwed up that it's every person on their own. Because the other part of your piece really covers how the bidding process works for the state and how it was supposed to be a low bid where 
These companies will bid on contracts for state work, and the lowest bidder usually got the job. But now that's changed in a way that is now favoring two really big uh, firms here in Denver, and, and both of them are doing big projects even right now in Denver. Yes, I mean, they're not from Denver. You know, one is Kramer North America, which is which is owned by Kobayashi, which is one of the the biggest Japanese construction companies. The other one's Keywood, which is out of Omaha. Um, and, you know, they usually have, you know, some kind of office in Colorado because they're doing billions of dollars of business. 75% of the $3.2 billion in recent CDOC contracts have gone to these two firms. And, and you know, as we point out in the article, um, this change in things from low bid to, quote, unquote, best value was under the rubric of Keep Jobs in Colorado Act. And, of course, it's Orwellian. Um, all the jobs have left Colorado, not all the jobs, but a significant number of, you know, they send people in for temporarily to finish the job and then they just move on. So, um, you know, the idea of keep jobs, it's just, it's really keep jobs uh, out of Colorado for at least for Colorado uh, residents. My experience with uh, Miss Lou comes from a couple of meetings that I had with her. And when I was speaking with her, there were a couple of issues I want to talk to you. One about uh, multimodal transportation. She was very <laughs> interested in just about everything except for cars. And that policy, I know, is rolling straight down from the Capitol and Governor Polis's office. The problem is, though, is that she's forgetting about the majority of how people in at least this state get around in their cars. Well, that's absolutely right. And, of course, she has no background or, or desire uh, to improve roads. I mean, she did a interview maybe similar with you with, with Colorado Public Radio. And people are outraged because the entire interview, which is also printed and get it on online, just talked what you talked about, you know, bikes and buses and everything else. None, none about the roads. And so the 90% of Coloradoans who have cars um, are, are left out in the cold. And she has no interest in roads. She knows nothing about them. So why should she have any interest? I have on good authority, too, that all the big contracts that we've seen now, the I-70 Central Project, the uh, Gap Project down south of Colorado Springs, the I-70 Mountain Express up north, the widening going all the way up to Fort Collins, those are going to be the last, at least right now, of the major projects that are going to be constructed under this current administration. And, and, and another reason I know that is that the bidding process usually starts – now in in the fall and well, it's supposed to be fall even though it's snowy um for, <laughs> for work that's going to happen in the spring and the summer well those bids are actually being delayed right now and so when you delay the bid process from going to bid from this work going to bid you're going to be delaying the selection of uh contractors and delay the start of any work in what usually would be the spring and summer so this is going to be the last of the real big work we're going to see for quite some time no, that's absolutely right. And they keep on talking about in Proposition CC how, you know, oh, we got to do money for our roads, and except it's not going to go to roads. I mean, actually, won't. Actually, what they'll do is they'll cut the general fund, so there'll be no more money for it. But in theory, if there was m more money going to it, um, it would be used for, as you point out, multimodal, uh, which is everything but cars that we drive around every day. Um, and as a practical matter, as you know, I mean, for a decade, we've had enormous growth in Colorado. 
and none of it is kept up in the roads. None of it is kept on the roads, and they and they have no intention of doing it because they want to get everybody out of their cars um, and and into some government uh, transportation, which is you know while while the uh, the bus uh, revenue goes down and down, less and less people are using the buses. They're ever saying that that's the solution: shove more people into more buses if they're not taking their their bikes to work on a nice day like today. Or uh, over the snow. Yeah, or the light rail. It is no coincidence yes, rail, because right. the headquarters, the new headquarters, was constructed right next to a light rail station over on the west side of downtown, just south of Mile High Stadium. Well, that was another, you know, amazing thing where they, they decided, no, uh, we'll spend $160 million on our new headquarters. Forget the other headquarters. You know, that was kind of ridiculous. We didn't like that one. Um, so while we're claiming we were out of money, uh, let's let's do a hundred sixty uh, million dollar building for for all these employees, most of the top ones of which have been leaving in droves. I want to go back to something we talked about just a bit ago. Like the federal government, when the president nominates somebody for a cabinet level position, that person is then confirmed by the Senate. It's the similar situation here, where our governor nominates somebody for a position like this, the executive director of CDOT. And then the state Senate confirms that person to the post. Well, she was confirmed with a unanimous vote. Not one <laughs> person on that committee dared to question the qualifications of Miss Lou. Why? I mean, why not one person? <laughs> well, I think didn't she get in the full Senate? Because you have to. Yes. Uh, committee. I think uh, I thought she got. That includes Democrats and Republicans. Everybody. Well, that that tells you a little bit about Republicans in Colorado these days. Um, to, to not even uh, give some effort to look back and say, wait a minute, why is a person with, with all they have is a history degree uh, being uh, nominated for, for CDOT, uh, but, but they can't seem, to, um, can't seem to put up much opposition, although I must admit this last legislation session, they did um, do a lot. But for that, it just shows you there's, there's no... There's no real opposition to a lot of these positions in the cabinet and otherwise, and people aren't going to look at it. They don't have the time or they don't care or whatever the process is. What do you think the governor should do to fix this? What can the people do to fix this, if anything? Well, you know, uh, one is is uh, move Shoshana Lee on to maybe, maybe she'll be a national CDOT leader <laughs> or, or U.S. chancellor. I mean, she'll go to some enormous great new job. Uh, but, but ye God, she's done enough to destroy uh, CDOT in Colorado. So that's probably step one. And I, and this, this best value bidding is, has become just cronyism. Um, it's just been two big firms. All the people on the outside, rec- we're all former CDOT employees, recommend. It's just a circular cronyism. We're paying, it's estimated by the people who do these projects, probably at a third more. So we have a $3 billion project. Well, a billion of dollars is excess waste, um, and and it's and it's just they've got to get seed out so it's it's no longer an admin issue. They got to get people who are going to devote their lives to it that they can have enough. They don't have enough expertise, I am told, uh, civil engineers to even design the beginning of designing a project. As you know, these days for this type of bidding process, you need about thirty percent of of the design done. Well, they contract that out because they don't have the the people anymore, and of course, they contracted out uh, to their former employees who charge three times the amount uh, they could have done it inside. So the whole process has to be redone. 
they have to go back at least for a lot of projects to to uh, low bid and where they don't have low bid they have to have a lot more monitoring of what's going on because they they've normally in this called construction management general contractor you have two separate entities they've combined them there's nobody watching the store uh, other than occasionally a consultant firm made up of all CDOT employees or, who are also uh, advising uh, either Kiwit or Kramer on other projects. So it's become an utter uh, crony deal, utterly it, crony deal. And it's not just the construction and those contracts that are going to outside firms. Safety campaigns and other campaigns, I know, are then given to public relations departments that I work with, and <laughs> and that is at a premium as well. The, these folks charge a lot of money for what the CDOT folks over there in their communications office should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every, everything that can go out the building goes out the building, but the same uh, 3,300 employees or whatever it is, is, you know, the staff, they don't cut down their own staff, but, but the staff gets to have a kind of a leisurely deal because everything is, is outsourced. So what have any CDOT employees uh, that have been reading your piece said to you now about what is going on there? Have you had any reaction since your first part has been published? Yeah, well, you know, we, we go out to about 100,000 homes. I mean, you know, the Glendale Tree, we started out as a kind of small local paper. And, and right now we're on the day we published, we're bigger than the Denver Post, which shows you how much the Denver Post has diminished. Uh, but it hasn't arrived, and we mail it to to, to close to ninety six thousand homes and business, and it hasn't arrived yet. All we're getting is is from it was on the lead story for a while in Complete Colorado. You obviously picked it up, um, and we've gotten literally hundreds of emails, um, and and most of them every once in a while saying, oh, "How dare you criticize? You know, you're you're being you're being sexist by criticizing this wonderful thirty five year old, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera." Um, almost all of them would say, keep it up. You got to look deeper, look deeper, look deeper. It's worse. <laughs> it's even worse than you think. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, you're looking back at Michael Lewis and Shaylin Bat and Don Hunt and these people that have come as executive directors in the past that actually come from the engineering background who actually knew what was going on. They were around the state. They could talk about projects. I was talking eight months ago when Shoshana was trying to do a press conference about avalanches and she had no clue that that Colorado <laughs> even had a mountain pass. I mean, it was just it was stunning how bad she was. Well, I, I'm told she goes back, I guess it's every other weekend, and she has somebody to carry her bags that I guess is a CDOT employee, but uh, back to Washington, D.C. She considers Washington, D.C. her real home, uh, and I guess a real source of, of uh, insider. Uh, Do you have power. any actual proof of that, or is that just hearsay? That's just hearsay. Okay. I mean, we're, we're going to make a CDOT. We're going to make a uh, Colorado Open Records Act request of her travels. What is your second piece going to cover, and when is it going to come out? It'll come out next month. Uh, we're going to cover individual projects to show, and maybe the most infamous that a lot of people know about is is the sinkhole in I-36. I mean, how can you have a road um, that that's, that is just not even five years old having those kind of problems? And no one taking responsibility, right? Everybody, oh, no, it's it's shifting soil like they don't know how to 
build uh, shifting. So, oh, it's it's a water table. Oh, and so the tech, you know, there's there's no construction firm to go look back to, and what they're going to do is just head up the the uh, the taxpayers for the for the ten millions of dollars it's going to cost to to try to fix it. So we're going to go by project by project, and we've got. Uh, lots of lots of expertise from people to explain exactly why the cost overruns were so excessive, um, why the bidding process was so rigged, and why the Colorado taxpayer is getting so cheated. That Highway 36 deal was uh, it, it was poor engineering from the beginning. That is actually right. a drained lake over there that they built that part of the highway on. And anytime there is extra water, that, that spring we had a lot of extra moisture from that very wet, very snowy spring. And that tends to, in these clay soils, uh, break up the soil and then makes it collapse as soon as it dries out. And that's exactly what happened over there on Highway 36. And then the highway obviously collapsed and then there was no follow-up to the previous company and the previous work. Right. To go back and say why why did you build it this way? What was the original engineering, and why didn't you think about this and have the soil samples uh, to uh, compare to to what to to fix it the way it should be fixed now? Yeah, well, it was just amazing for them to say, well, it's the soil. It's kind of like okay, you know, there there are clay soils all over the state, and there are lots of there are lots of ones that you have to engineer for. There are lots of things you have to consider, in particularly those if you're saying it's a lake. Uh, a lot of water. Yeah, okay. And it's not that, that that's beyond the capabilities of of great engineers and or even good ones. Um, instead, they treat it as like like force majeure. You know, it's an act of God. And you know, what can we do about it? Oh no, I guess you know, just just uh, hire the same people to do the same thing and hope for a better result. Well, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to watch what happens over there. The former spokesperson for Diana DeGette's office and the. Uh, Colorado Democratic Party is now her main spokesperson, the person that took over Amy Ford's job. So um, we'll see, because Amy came from a background that I worked with her back during the Kiwit days of T-Rex, um, when wow. that, well, that yeah. whole big thing happened. And then and then exactly. she continued on with CDOT um, in different roles and obviously came to be the uh, you know, basically the communications director. But now we have Matt Izzo doing the same thing. Well, you know, he's got a tough job. Yes. <laughs> he's got one tough job. And it's interesting. I wonder what the response is going to be as this picks up more and more steam uh, from your programs and other ones. Do they just hunker down? I'm, I'm told that she's very much hunkered down. I mean, to try. she's built up a Praetorian guard where you can almost can't get to her anymore. And before she was out there, now she's, you know, no way, no how. But I wonder if they'll just hunker down or they'll come up with, with uh, some sort of explanation. I'm not sure. You may have a better feel of which of the two approaches they'll do. But. Uh, I'm, I'm leaning towards the hunker down, most yeah. definitely. Chuck right. Bonnewell, the publisher of the Cher Glendale Cherry Creek Chronicle, author of a piece called CDOT in Total Disarray, detailing the problems at the Colorado Department of Transportation. Chuck, thanks again for being here on the Driving Your Crazy podcast. Yeah, it's been great to be with you. Again, if you want to read more about this, you can get it. Just search, uh, do, a, do a Google search for Glendale Cherry Creek Chronicle, and the article is right there on the homepage. You'll see a big picture of Shoshana on the homepage. And I, I have other uh, anecdotal stories about my interaction with her, and, and uh, I, I think I described some of that when I was uh, telling it about a couple, uh, eight months or so ago, and 
Uh, he, she even asked me at one point if I could help her with basically uh, dealing with the media um, and doing public speaking because that is not her strong suit. You would think somebody in that position would be a more confident person in front of other people to uh, speak clearly about what vision they have, what's going on with the state, the Department of Transportation, right? Or yeah. no? No, I mean, look, I mean, if you're the if you're the executive director, you're the face. I mean, that's your responsibility to be the face of that department. And you know, Shoshana's face has been noticeably absent ever since. I would say U.S. thirty six, probably. Yeah. When was the avalanche? Was that slightly before thirty six? Oh or yeah, no, the after? avalanche was in the spring. Yeah, there were a couple of other things that she's been. Uh, she's she's spoken. To. I mean, I, look, I'm here I, every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Several hours every day. I co- we've covered all of these traffic related stories. I cannot remember seeing Shoshana at any of them since US 36. And I'm happy to be wrong about that if I am. I just I don't think we've seen her for four months. So there is a, another local talk show host I know in town. Uh, there, there was a guy, Mike Rosen, who used to work at KOA Radio. He still does some part time stuff. But he started this um, institution where he would have once a month, he would have the mayor of Denver. He would have the governor of Colorado, uh, and he would talk to them in an hour-long interview, uh, getting questions, basically, talking about some of the key issues of the day, and then also taking questions from the audience, from the viewer, or from the listeners in this case, uh, from around the state to, to have access to two people that normally they don't have access to. Well, that was also the case when Mandy Connell, one of the local talk show hosts over there at KOA Radio, and then she also brought on the executive director of CDOT, and she would, or she would talk to uh, Amy Ford, who was the communications director at the time. Amy's a friend of mine, um, and they would come on for the hour and then address these questions, and they were really very good. Whether it was Michael Lewis or Shailen Bott, or um, I think that's the only two that she really dealt with. But Shoshana, they tried her out. And it was so bad, I've heard from over there, that they didn't ask her back. Mm. That is how bad the interview was. Well, I wonder if that's why she ended up on CPR, because we talked about her doing the CPR interview just recently. And look, man, I, I, I know that the Chuck got plenty of negative response to it, but I can tell you in the pedestrian and bicycle and train industry, there are plenty of people who were cheering what she was saying and saying, this is the future of this state. Get on board or go somewhere where they do care about roads. But it can't just be one or the other. It has to be a mix of all of it. But that's. But unfortunately, that is. And, and you and I are going to disagree on this, and yes, that's fine. That's correct. Uh, I I don't think that it's all roads, and that there has to be con- some concessions for bikes and people walking and, and trains. But at what cost? Mm-hmm. At what cost? Well, I think the other thing that nobody. Well, I mean, none of us talked about this in the conversation. But the real big issue here is that all of our transportation agencies are broke. Rtd can't pay its drivers. CDOT uh, can't pay for anything. We just they talked can't about buy we, plows. Right. We did. We spent the whole last the entire time we've been doing this po- podcast. We've talked about their budget shortfall. It was nine billion when we started. It's probably up to ten now in terms of a project yeah. backlog that they can't afford to do. So you know it, it, it's hard to be anybody when you have ten billion dollars worth of stuff that you need to do and not ten billion dollars to spend on it. I think they need better leadership over there. Would better leadership get them more money? Not no no not necessarily okay. no. So they probably just need better budgeting, right? Well, they need or that a more too. realistic budgeting of, process. And part of that, I think, is coming from better leadership. I think better leadership would look at what they're doing right now and then find out how much money they have coming in and better a- a- allocate that to where it needs to go. I-, I pointed out 
in several meetings over there to some key people of a lot of inequities that, that's happening over there, uh, especially with – I deal with the communications department a lot. Right. Uh, and especially with the traffic operations center uh, that handle the cameras and the website. I mean, that that has been a problem for years, and, and I have good information from, from people over there that the website was a whole fiasco where it went out to this other company, and they basically took as much money as they could from CDOT to develop the website and then said, here, here you go, deal with it. And and they didn't update it after that at all. That's why the up. That's there are so many smaller states with smaller budgets that have much better communications departments and websites than our our ours at uh, in this state. Well, and that would go back to that's probably not Shoshana's fault. One, two, that's budgeting too, man. But it how, could be fixed. But how could it be fixed? You're going to bring in another vendor to develop. Yes. Why not? I Why mean, not fix it? We just talked about their budget shortfall. You're going to spend a hundred, however much money on a new website. I'm not going to profess to know how much that costs. That's money that can't be spent elsewhere. This is this is the problem. Everybody points out and says, "Why aren't you that? spending the money on roads?" We have a budget, dude. Right. We got to spend some of the money on roads and some of it elsewhere. How much money are they spending with these other private uh, PR agencies that? are doing these campaigns for drunk driving on Halloween, right? So you're suggesting so that we much, shouldn't tell people not no, to drive drunk No, we can on do Halloween. it, but they have people over there already employed by the DOT to do it for them. Do Why they? Can't, yes, yeah. they do. They have a communications department of like 20 or 25 people. Yes. One of them can come up with this simple press release that I could type up in about a half an hour right now and do the exact same thing. They don't need to hire it out to some PR agency that's going to charge them five times as much. I uh, So... One, I'll say I'm very skeptical that the communications department isn't writing their own press releases. Too, they are, if but not, not for all of these campaigns. The pot campaign, this, these safety DUI campaigns. Why can't that be done in house? Okay, so you bring now you're hiring an in-house advertising no, agency. No, you're not to run hiring the them graphics. in-house. You have people already there. We have producers here. Imagine if we hired a fleet of producers to write some of our news copy. But only certain parts of our news copy. That's not an we, accurate comparison. Why not? That's apples to oranges, man. That's like saying, why don't we hire our producers and make our producers who are producing newscasts also produce all of our commercials? That's two completely no. different skill sets. Yes. It's not. It is. Those are two totally different skill sets. There's, that also takes into account graphic design. Right? Does CDOT have graphic designers on staff that are able to put together graphic, the graphics I'm for talking about writing press releases. They, they, they have a campaign about not... Uh, about DUI, okay, mm -hmm. drunk driving. They have a whole campaign about it is bad to be a drunk driver, right? Mm -hmm. So they spend a lot of money with outside agencies and give these outside agencies money to basically write press releases and have a uh, a dog and pony show for some cameras that never show up to uh, every so often, and they pay those people a lot of money when they have people already employed at the Department of Transportation's communications department that could write those exact same press releases, save that money, or take that money and allocate it in better ways. It's a waste of our time to argue about how they're spending a million dollars on communications when they're $10 billion in the hole. They don't have money. They don't have money. We're talking about them not addressing roads. Fixing the PR department is not going to fix the amount of money they have to fix roads. But there are. But it goes back to the upper point about this person or anybody in the, uh, in the uh, uh, executive director's office who can then say, why aren't we doing it this way and saving money? I Look, man. Uh, the allocation of money, as you were talking about. Right. Right. Okay. So if, you, if we're going to have her micromanage and really clean up the budget, okay, she finds $50 million extra dollars. That's $50 how, million. How does that move the needle? Right? One. Two, is that really what we're going for? Is that, is, are we trying to pinch pennies so much? And three, the, the um, 
bid process that he laid out in there that is saving the state money and leading to shoddier work, if he would like us to go back to the old bid process and spend more money, where are we going to find that money? Everybody wants to put us in debt, man. Like nobody wants to find the money to actually pay for these things. They're all just like, yeah, do it. Spend, find the money to spend on it. We have no idea how to find the money to spend on it, but go find the money to spend on it. All right. If I found $50 million in the communications department, why couldn't I find $20 more million in the engineering department? I or don't believe you could. Million, I don't maybe believe you, you could. could. Maybe you could. Maybe there's weight, but that's the thing. Maybe there needs to be more oversight, and maybe there needs to be some micromanaging from the department uh, heads and look at what's going on. Maybe that needs to happen, and maybe it's not happening. I don't know. I'm not working over there. Right. I've only heard what I've heard, and I know it's not. There, there are a lot of unhappy people over there. Well, and the other thing I would say is that a lot. You know, he talked about this graying out, right? A lot of people are leaving and then consulting back to CDOT. Yeah, that's government. Like, that happens in every single government agency you will ever see where people work in government for a few years, they milk the cow, and then they get out of there, they go work in consulting, and they make way more money than they ever did in the first place. The reason it's happening so suddenly here is because you have, a, frankly, probably, a lot of old dudes who don't like the direction that CDOT's going in, and they see an opportunity to get out. Why wouldn't you do that? That's just shrewd. Yeah. No, that's you're exactly right. Um there are a lot of people that I talked to some of those too. They were just biding their time, waiting to take their retirement, and then they could go back and make a lot of money. Um, my father-in-law did that where he was the band director at a local high school for 30 years. Took his retirement after 30 years, and then he worked in the private sector for another 15. Um, and so that's exactly, and he was collecting his para retirement at that time. Para is the uh, people's. Uh, employment, retirement, government uh, pension, right? It's a government pension. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so he's, he was collecting that, and then he was able to buy years for my mother-in-law, who was a teacher as well. They actually bought retirement years at a discount, and now they're reaping those rewards now. So, yeah, it, I'm telling you. That's insane. It is. <laughs> I can't do that with mine. Uh, so these that, right. that is that is a foreign concept in this to this generation. The idea that you can just cash out after thirty years and go yes. work a different job and keep collecting a paycheck from somebody. The only place that still does that, I think, is the military. And I can't imagine how much longer they're going to be doing that. So, th- I think there's going to be a lot more follow up to this story once it starts going uh, uh, not viral, if you will, but it's going to be picked up. Well, I hope that we at least do something uh, with this. Um, well, on the I broadcast think side. we were just talking about this offline. The question is: Is Shoshana Lou underqualified, and is she incompetent? And you know, I, it sounds like Chuck's made up his mind. I think I've got a pretty good idea where you stand on it. I think for the majority, we have to get to the bottom of what's the truth there. Where, how good is she, and is she the best choice? Yeah. Uh, you know what? Maybe I can make some calls uh, back to Rhode Island. Maybe I can find one of the traffic people out there, or maybe there's a reporter out there that, that uh, had some uh, dealings with Shoshana. Probably not many because she was the chief operating officer and not somebody in uh, the communications department or somebody who was the executive director. She was more behind the scenes. It's not like I have ever really dealt with the chief operating officer for the CDOT in the last 25 years. So I don't even know who that person is. Well, and is, is Jared Polis going to step in at some point to issue a statement saying we have complete faith? Would he be willing to walk away from this appointment? Would he be willing to give us some real honest insight into how he feels about her performance? I don't know, but somebody needs to ask him those questions too. I wouldn't doubt that there were some conversations from him to her after some of these press uh, conferences that she did. Uh, to say, hey, look, you're either going to have to get better, you're going to have to uh, get some training, 
you're going to have to maybe do this differently so other people are speaking for you. But right now, you're not good at this, and you need to get better at it because it is a direct reflection on him. Uh, did you see the communications director is handling all their pressers now? No, not him. They have the underlings doing it. He, I haven't seen Matt at a major press conference yet. Okay. He is the, basically the Amy Ford, the old, and she was everywhere. I mean, she would do everything. Right. Well, and that's that's the other thing. I mean, I think when you're in charge, you deputize somebody to deal with the media in a yeah. possession in a position and like so, that. And so that's why you see Tamara Rolson around. Right. Uh, that's why you see Bob Wilson out there. Uh, he's a statewide communications manager, and Tamara does Region One, which is basically the Denver and area. And Tamara deserves you a ton see? of credit. She's been great for us and for everybody. It seems like in the city for the last couple of weeks now, while we've been dealing with all these road issues. So we'll see where it goes. We'll continue to follow this, and I hope we do some more stuff on broadcast and see what happens uh, with this whole mess over there. And um, that's all we can do, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, I wanted to mention that someone just bought the world's most expensive parking space. The space is in Hong Kong. It's right in front of an office tower, and it's sold for, get this, $969,000. And it's right in front of an office tower. That is equivalent to $7,205 per square foot for a standard parking space that basically measures 135 square feet. It happens to be also triple Hong Kong's median home price, $969,000. Now, the seller said he sold the last of his four spots to someone who owns an office in that same tower where this space is uh, because... The buyer now needs a parking space. The parking space is currently vacant. It's pending the completion of the sale. The lot is on top of the center. The name of the building is called The Center. It's a three-level basement. It's reserved as an executive parking area for tenants only. And the sold unit sits against the wall with an alcove. And so it provides a little bit of an easier access for the owner. How nice for them. Yeah, man. Now, prices for parking spaces in Hong Kong have been rising way more than the housing prices in Hong Kong over the last dozen years. And I was doing the math, and it seems to me that it would actually be cheaper to illegally park somewhere on the street near that building than pay for the spot. All right, let's say you have a fine of $100 a day. That seems high. And let's say for the... Uh, for the uh, uh, argument's sake, that your car is not going to get towed. You're just going to get the ticket, and you'll and you'll be there from 8 to 5 or whatever, but you're just going to get a ticket, but the car won't be towed. And it's going to be $100 every single day, five days a week, $500 a week, right? Yes? Okay, sure, yeah. Let's times that by 50 weeks. Let's just give the, the this uh, executive two weeks off every year because, you know, he's a busy executive. He wants to work a lot. Let's just go 50 weeks just for easy math. That's $25,000 a year. That's basically 39 years of illegal parking to reach $969,000. On the flip side, let's say you have $100 million. Do I care if I spend 1% of that on a parking space that's really nice so I never have to worry about where I'm going to park at work again? I stress out enough in our gated parking lot (laughs) where I always have a spot, right? If you could tell me you're going to be able to park here for the rest of your life, yes, I would give you 1% of my total net worth for that. Rich people. Rich people. They do this at my wife's school, actually, where they auction off the prime parking spot to one parent every year, and they use that money to fund field trips and stuff. I think it's a great system. I think a lot of schools actually do that. I I was on the hook for 50 bucks to paint a rock in the back of the uh, school (laughs) so they could raise some money for that kind of... 
You paid fifty dollars. Paid fifty rock. bucks for a rock, and then I had to pay about forty-five dollars for the paint and materials to paint the rock. How big is the rock? Oh, it's a large rock. It's a boulder. It's it's as uh, well. You I didn't could... say that, man. I'm picturing no. like a pebble, like the no, size no, of my no, thumbnail. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. we're talking a, a rock the size of a bear. The size of a bear. Okay. Yes, the size of a bear, pretty much. Okay, right? well, that's worth it. You think so? No, but I mean, okay. like, I want to well, make you feel no, better no. about I, it. I would have rather just given the the school a check for a hundred dollars and you, be done with it. You couldn't do that. They they wouldn't just be like, no, yeah, we'll you take could your do money. that. You could. Ta- you, I could have said it, but then I don't get to paint the rock, and then the kids don't get to see the painted rock when they go out to the playground and show all their their little buddies. Hey, look, my parents painted this rock, and it has our names on it, and it's fun. Did you paint it with Lightning McQueen? No, I did not. Because that would have been cool. Yeah, that would have been cool. Actually, somebody painted it with the whole Toy Story 4 characters. Beautiful. Including Forky and Woody and Buzz and the whole thing. And it, it was just some uh, artist guy who really oh, nailed it. I didn't know this was a competition. Oh, no, Apparently it is. it's a competition, yes, too. And so you buy the rock and you paint it, and then somebody else can do it actually the next day. It's not like you buy a week, which you should be able to buy a week. Uh, but they, they paint it over it the next day. That's that's horse hockey. I'm sorry. Also, you should have brought in Chad Skinner to do the painting for you because that dude's a genius, and oh, he yeah. would have come up with a great rock. See? Yep. You should have put the rock on the rock. Then I'm going to have to pay Chad to paint the rock <laughs> plus the material. So now I'm into this for, what, $150, $200? Chad costs more than that. Oh, not good. Uh, we all love to hate road construction. We especially love to hate potholes. But what if there was a drone that would fill potholes or if we had self-repairing roads? Mm. It's an idea being investigated by Leeds University researchers. Leeds University is in the U.K., if you didn't know. They're getting a uh, a reconnaissance drone to identify cracks that need fixing. And the device then sends that location detail to another drone that then will come over to repair the road using a 3D printer. High tech comes to the road. There we go. Is that pretty cool? Okay. I mean, if we can deliver packages with... Uh, drones, why can't we fix potholes with roads? We're about five years away from the drones just killing all of us. There's actually a professor. Who believes that? No. Okay. Fair he enough. does not. And I, I, I don't think this is going to turn into Terminator. You're sure? No, I'm not sure. Okay. But it does worry me that what, what Aquanet or whatever, hair, what, I don't know, whatever, what, <laughs> what was the net thing that they I think you're right about it being Aquanet. Whatever it was that, that is all linked in all the computers now. Know each other and listen I, to each is, other is and that they're a, learning. And, is this a Terminator reference? Yes. I never saw that before. Yeah, okay, well, that's good. Uh, there are other places in England, actually, that are trying to make our driving lives better. There is a county in central England that has teamed up with a contractor and with Keel University to develop a smart highway. Now, they say the project is backed by $2 million of government funding. It involves turning the Keel campus into a high-tech test track. Basically, sensors are installed at various points. They're connected to a central control room, and then traffic and road conditions are continuously monitored, and then data from the network will be used to keep traffic flowing more efficiently, so they think that's going to improve the air quality and reduce the risk of crashes, and if it works at the university level, that smart concept, they think, could be then rolled out to other areas, like rural community roads in their county where they can keep traffic flowing because they're watching all the traffic. They have somebody actually monitoring the traffic flow and keeping it going and uh, the traffic lights and and, uh, all the other parts of the network to keep it moving. Okay. That seems smart. Yeah. It's too smart. (laughs) There's also a team of engineers in Bedford, England, trying to link geothermal energy to water pipes just below the surface of the roadways to be used to help de-ice car garages, bus stations on freezing cold days. 
how great would that be to be here where it's freezing cold? True. That's true. I always wondered why you see the uh, uh, steam coming out of the manhole covers in downtown areas. Why can't we harness that in a series of pipes that are somewhat near the road surface and then keeps them relatively clear of ice and snow and harness that power from underneath the roadway and keep our roadways Ice-free. They do do that with sidewalks, right? Isn't that the concept behind some heated sidewalks is that they're using steam that's already being generated well, underground? I, yeah. I know that's how they do it if you buy the system in yep. your driveway like you know, Mike Nelson used to have. Right. Where they have the hot water that goes under the driveway and it keeps your driveway nice and clear. Mm-hmm. It really is brilliant. It's really, really good. Um, these are, you know, smart solutions to dumb problems. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Right. It is a dumb. There is no dumber problem than a pothole. No, <laughs> there really isn't. Uh, I have a great story next week. I don't have time for it this week. A great story next week about a job uh, as a parking attendant. Oh, you're gonna love the qualifications for this position. It is. It is outstanding. It's a great story, and I can't wait to get to it next week. Fantastic. Uh, anyway, thanks again to uh, Chuck Bonnewell, uh from the Cherry Creek Chronicle for coming on to us, talking about his piece. Again, you can read that in the Glendale Cherry Creek Chronicle. Uh, it's right there on the homepage if you want to read all about how um, our Department of Transportation is really going to, well, going to the toilet. Uh, thanks again, <laughs> in his opinion and others as well. Joseph and Simon. Thanks again for being here, and until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. I'm future toll booth attendant Joseph Peters. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.